0: Coming up, a novel infused with Mozart's music. A new short story collection from one of my favorite authors. Plus, our distraction of the week. I'm Mel.
1: I'm Dave. This is the Library of Lost Time.
0: I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the show before. I've played the piano since I was five years old. Oh, yeah. By the time I was in junior high school, I was the accompanist for the chorus. So don't tell me I wasn't cool. Cool.
1: You are undercutting your ability. <laughs> Mel is very impressive because you can put any piece of sheet music in front of her and she can rattle it off. It's Stumble very Stumble my way through it.
0: Yeah. In high school, I got my ass handed to me by a duet arrangement of Mozart's Symphony No. 40 in G minor. So I was very excited to learn about a new novel called The Girl with 20 Fingers by Kate Muser. You made your eyes really big like you were imagining a girl with 20 fingers. I was. <laughs> When the story opens, a young woman named Sarah is on stage in New York, and she completely bombs an important performance of a Mozart concerto. Mm. Three years later, she is not a famed concert pianist. Instead, she's living in Munich and working as a food magazine editor. But one day, she meets an elderly widower with a very special grand piano, and the two of them start to play Mozart duets together. Soon, Sarah is immersed in her new friend's wartime experiences and discovers a musical secret in her own family. I've only just started reading this book, and I'm hooked. Sarah is an endearing, relatable heroine, and Munich is a character in the story. There's music, and food, and parks, and coffee, and friendships. Plus, I find it impossible to resist a story about second chances. The author, Kate Muser, has a degree in piano performance, and she has, in fact, played a Mozart concerto with an orchestra. So she knows her characters and the setting from inside. She lived in Munich. She admits that Mozart is not her favorite composer. Oh. So scandalous. Yeah. But that he's perfect for this story because he embodies the impossible pursuit of perfection, which is one of the themes running through the novel. The author made a handful of charming videos about her book, and she's a really good talker. It turns out she's also a really good writer. I'm thoroughly enjoying this book so far, and I'm invested in seeing what happens to our heroine, Sarah. I'm hoping it will inspire me to play the piano during my work breaks. Yeah, This would be a great book to pair with the Prague Sonata by Bradford Morrow, which I recommended in our Prague episode. This book is The Girl with 20 Fingers by Kate Muser.
1: I really like Kelly Link. She's uh, an author who's done a lot of short stories. You may have heard of her books Magic for Beginners or Pretty Monsters or Stranger Things Happen. They are all collections of short stories. Her stories tend to take place in some world that is like ours, might even be ours, but has fantastic and weird elements about it.
0: That's my favorite kind of fantasy.
1: And she does it really well. She has a new collection out. It's called White Cat. Black Dog. It continues the tradition of stories that sound like fables but take place in airports and graduate schools. They have titles like The Girl Who Did Not Know Fear and The White Cat's Divorce. (laughs) But they're written with a very modern sensibility. I am not alone enjoying Kelly Link. She was a finalist for the Pulitzer. She won a MacArthur Genius Grant.
0: (laughs) Nice when someone says objectively, you're a genius.
1: Right? She also is a co-owner of a small bookstore in Massachusetts called Book Moon.
0: Oh, I like that name.
1: Yeah. So if you're listening to this on release day, Kelly Link will be there tomorrow celebrating her new book. If you are inclined to enjoy magic with your mundane and a little creepy supernatural in your laundromat, you might enjoy this. It's White Cat, Black Dog by Kelly Link, and it's out now. And now our distraction of the week.
0: If you love Jane Austen's novels and have a sweet spot for the gowns on Bridgerton, you might just be a Regency fan.
1: Oh, okay.
0: The Regency period, do you know when the Regency period was? Ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very, very specific, Dave.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know we're past it. That's about as far as I can get you.
0: The Regency period was from 1811 to 1820. Right, But that makes it a subset of the Georgian era— which started a hundred years earlier. The Georgian era was defined by four kings named George, including George III, who was in power during the American Revolution. He was also known for maybe being a little bit mad.:
1: He's also known for having the solo in Hamilton that's really funny.: when your people say they hate you don't come back to me <sum> George
0: III was, in fact, deemed too mad to rule. So his son, George IV, was appointed in his place to act as regent. That's a person appointed when a monarch is too young or incapacitated or absent for some reason. And that's where we get the Regency era of Emma and Empire wastes, afternoon teas and picnics. That all makes sense. All of which brings me to a modern gentleman named Paul Couchman. Okay. He is also known as the Regency Cook. In 2014, he volunteered to help restore the Regency Townhouse. That's a Georgian estate in Brighton, England, that is now a museum. Okay. He was helping to rebuild the house, and he became fascinated by the kitchen. So much so, that one Christmas, he baked 100 traditional mince pies— in the historic kitchen.
1: That's a lot of mince pies. Mm
0: -hmm. Now he uses recipes from an 1830 cookbook to teach home cooks how they can make dishes that were popular in the Regency era. He tries to be as authentic as possible while also making the recipes manageable for home cooks now. Okay. This is what he says about that. Some of the ingredients we now know to be poisonous, such as arsenic, which was useful for food coloring. Of course, I've taken those out.
1: Wow. I would hope so.
0: (laughs) Apart from that, he follows the recipes as closely as possible.
1: What are some recipes from the Regency area that we should be aware of?
0: So his blog has lots of delicious things, including a lot of puddings. Just a reminder to everybody, in the UK, a pudding is more like a cake. It is not like a chocolate pudding cup that gets packed in your lunchbox. So he has ginger pudding, lime sponge pie... Pickled peaches, and I love this one, route cakes. Route cakes? Route cakes. What's a route cake? They're tiny, sweet, rich cakes made for evening parties called routes. Oh. I looked up some pictures. They To me, they look like soft, cakey cookies. Okay. In addition to recipes, there are essays that describe a day in the life of a Regency house and tips for how to cook from a historical recipe. Paul also teaches online cooking classes, and sometimes he teams up with a social historian. In the next few months, he's got sessions for hot cross buns, just in time for Easter, a Jane Austen picnic, a summer tea, and for King Charles' upcoming coronation in May, he's doing a class based on the food served at the coronation of George IV, the regent himself.
1: That sounds awesome.
0: I get the Regency Cook newsletter on Fridays, and it is a delight, always. He also made a video tour of the Regency kitchen that is really fascinating. I recommend all of it.
1: Will we be picnicking in the park with our top hats and waistcoats?
0: I mean, probably. Visit strongsenseofplace.com slash library for links to all of the stuff I mentioned about the Regency Cook, as well as more about the books we discussed.
1: Thanks for joining us in the Library of Lost Time. Remember to visit your local library and your independent bookstore to lose some time yourself.
0: Stay curious. We'll talk to you soon.